Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain la da 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 dee la da 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 Charleston was once the rage
Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is a little bit after 5 o'clock on a Wednesday, and that means it's a perfect time to sit around the campfire and have a cup of joe. And I mean that both literally and figuratively, as this show is a cup of joe. And I thank everybody that is uh, signing on right now. And uh, we have one feed today. And so uh, it looks like we've got Becca and Lisa both sharing the feed. But what we're going to try to do this week, which will be a little different than last week, as I continue to get, um, I don't know, encouragement or criticism or however we want to call it, I'm being asked to look at the camera more. Well, it's a damn radio show, folks. I should be looking at the microphone. But since that it's also a live feed podcast, um, I am now looking at the camera, as you can see. Um, hopefully that will make it a better show. <laughs> you guys crack me up. Um this is a bit of a free-form show in that uh, we got a couple of guests that are going to call in a little bit later. We're going to have Craig Cecil likely calling in, um, as he typically does. George Martirano, veteran POW, just got off paper. For those of you who don't know what that means, he is no longer on federal probation, meaning he's actually a free man for the first time in 32 years. Uh, George is um, a longtime friend. Um, he's come out and visited. He's been physically here with me on the show, and he now has a 15-minute uh, or so segment that will begin um, after the second hour, second half of the second hour. So uh, George will be joining us with some stories, anecdotes, thoughts, musings, poetry, whatever decides what's to come out of George's mouth can come out of George's mouth. George has free reign to speak on whatever topic he sees fit for as long as he sees fit. Um, that's one of the things that happens out here, and it's kind of a funny thing. This world um, of activism, this world of uh, the, the movement, and we put air quotes on the movement, is full of all kinds of people. The world is full of whatever, there's a poem that starts out that way. There's a lot of wonderful things in this world of activism, and there's a lot of kind of crappy things in this world of activism. And now that we have a industry, or an, an industry, I should say, to be more proper, the industry has brought forth also some good and a lot of kind of crappy. There's a thing that happens with people who are focused on making money that more often than not is less good than more good. And it's something that I'm not a, particularly a capitalist and I'm certainly not a communist. I am a person who is all about liberty and I don't want your big business to step on my abilities. So I'm not here for the big business, but I certainly don't want my success to be targeted as a liability. I don't want to have to curtail my success because 
somehow I'm going to have to do something beyond what is reasonable. So I don't fit in anybody's box when it comes into it. I think that people have a right to thrive in any environment that they're able to. I think that um, if you grow good pot, you should be able to do anything that uh, anybody else that grows any crop should be able to do without any specific licensing, without any specific tax structure, or any of this crap. Um, we talk about this often, and I'm going to continue talking about this. The beat goes on. That's our bumper song. It's a long bumper song. I'm grateful for the length of the bumper song because usually it gives me the ability to um, – hello, Ashley, and I'm glad you're here, and I can't wait to see your dad out of here. And um, it's important as we're talking about these POWs and this industry and uh, prohibition and um, legalization and the differences between these two things. I just um, got a piece of art from Michael Pelletier, and I'll, I'll show it here before too long. And he's serving a life sentence for pot. Richard DeLisi is serving a 90-year sentence for life, and unless he gets out short of his sentence, he's going to die in prison for pot. George Martirano served 32 years of a life sentence for pot. He just got off paper last week. And it's one of these things that George and, and a lot of these guys that have gotten out, I will give a lot more latitude and a lot more, you know, uh, give you a lot more just because you were in there. And it doesn't mean that being in prison makes you anything or, or doesn't make you anything, but being locked up for something that should never be a crime and the fact that we have all these people in this industry that are making thousands and millions of dollars in this industry and they're not doing a whole lot to get the people that are in there out. And I've got people that are locked up asking me on a somewhat regular basis questions about this whole legalization thing. And then they sit there and they wonder why they're still locked up. i got Aaron Sandusky, who served a 10-year sentence for pot in California, where he was operating a dispensary in California, where so many people have and still do today. But he's in federal prison, and federal law says you don't get to do that. It doesn't matter what your state law says. And that's not acceptable. And, and, and my case was over almost four years ago, and thank God. But the fact that there's still people left behind and there's still people going to prison and there's still people picking up cases, to me, is not acceptable. And the fact that I continue to participate in this movement, in this, this whatever you want to call it, it should be norm, but we're still dealing with a stigma. And the stigma, I think, is kind of at the core of all of this. I think that there's enough people, enough voters, enough people who don't get it, who have been fed for generations this um, reefer madness bullshit, this, this drugs are bad, pots of drug, dope heads, dopers, dealers, druggies, all of the expletives and epithets that are given to people who decide to use the cannabis plant. Now, I just wonder. I wonder if every single person that you saw buy a glass of wine 
or a beer or a case of beer or a case of wine or went to a bar and had a drink or went out for cocktails or did anything of the sort, being that we're such an alcohol-driven nation, wonder if you were to call them a drunk or a souse or a sot or, or some other sort of derogatory term for somebody who decides to consume alcohol. I wonder if we were to demonize the use of alcohol the way the use of cannabis has been demonized, if it would change the way people think. Well, the truth is, alcohol has been part of our culture since before we were a nation, so it probably wouldn't do much and you'd probably lose. But imagine that. Okay, now what about all the pill heads? We talk about this opium epidemic, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Opium, opiates, pain relievers are one class of drug that people have a problem with. What about everything else? What about the meth heads and all of the Adderall nation? What about the Prozac team? What about all the the psych meds and the antidepressants and the weight loss meds and all the other prescription meds that are issued by doctors and pharmacists and, and practitioners of all sorts that, I don't know, what if we were to start stigmatizing that? Oh, you take pills, do you? Uh, I don't know if I can be around you. What if it was like that? I just got to wonder, why is the act of consuming cannabis so easily to stigmatize? And we're okay with it. Oh, stoner. <laughs> so what? What if I choose to eat mushrooms? What if I choose to make a potent brew of ethnobotanicals? What if I'm an ayahuasca uh, aficionado? What if any of those things? How many people die from pharmaceuticals? Ashley, I, I, I feel for you. My God, I can't imagine going through what you have gone through. I know so many people who have died of drug overdoses that were not pot and were not street drugs. No. When people want to go and kill themselves with drugs, what do they do? They get a bottle of some kind of pill and take them. Easiest way out, folks. And that's what happens more often than not. Nobody ever grabs a pack full of pot and smokes it till you die because you couldn't die. Most people don't even drink alcohol till you die because that'd be pretty hard too, but you could do it. No, you go to the pills, you go to the pharmaceuticals, you go to the drugs, schedule threes and schedule fours and schedule twos. That's what kills most people. Schedule one drugs pretty much don't kill a lot of people. Yeah, people die from heroin overdoses. and um, But frankly, look at the schedule one substances. A lot of the things that are on there are not common drugs, for one, and they're not things that people actually die from as a rule. So let's think about that. Let's think about why it is that we're in this battle. How come? All right, we're going to talk about our How Come campaign today. We're going to talk about how come this is illegal, but that's not. How come a situation where there's no victim at all, and whether you're convicted, tried, and sentenced and sitting in a sentencing hearing with a judge and all of the people there, or if there's people or not people, how come there is no victim and no victim's family in any pot case? Not one, ever. There hasn't been. I've sat in I don't know how many court hearings. I don't know how many sentencing hearings. All over the country, federal hearings, state hearings, family law hearings, you name it, I've sat in a hearing because of a pot case of somebody that was tried, convicted, or pled out guilty to a crime that was involving just pot. And not one time in all those times 
Have I ever had somebody stand up as a victim or a victim family member? Not once. Now, I have, on the other hand, sat through sentencing hearings of violent crimes, of rapes and murders and burglaries and all kinds of things. And when it comes time to sentencing, you know who shows up? There's no court supporters for these people. No, there's people that support the victims. There are victim supporters. And those victims come in and they tell the judge what happened to them and how it impacted them. They call it an impact statement. And then the family members come in and they talk about the impact, the broader impact and the, and the, the, the reach that happened as a result of this crime. And it's supposed to affect sentencing. It's supposed to affect the way that the, that the judge rules when he has purview to rule on a sentence. And when the judge listens to, like, this, this friggin' freak diddling all the, the kid gymnasts, over 200 people came forward and impacted this judge so much so that she resentenced him and gave him even more time. Finally, a guy who deserves it gets a sentence. That guy hopefully dies quickly in jail, slowly, quickly to begin the process. Hopefully it takes a long time and he suffers a lot and hopefully there is a hell and he can spend the rest of eternity in it. But the bottom line is that's not the point. The point is that you got people like Craig Cecil, you got people like Richard DeLisi, you got people like Michael Pelletier, you got people all across the nation in state courts, Michael Thompson. We've got, I mean, the list is unfortunately still way too big, even though we've gotten some guys free. And thank God they're free to this day. There's still plenty of guys that are left behind. Okay? And those people were sentenced unfairly, and most of them without enough people standing there supporting them. Because I can't help but think that if there was a huge outpouring of public support, that maybe, just maybe, the judge that issued that sentence might have thought twice. In every single case that I've watched in, in federal trials where I've watched the sentencing go down and, and the mandatory minimum more and more got expressed, I always wish somehow we could have brought more people. I wish more people cared enough to come out. And that's where you, everybody that's here, matters. That's where everybody that's here needs to participate. That's where the human solution, or call yourself whatever the hell you want to, if you hear about somebody that's got a pot case and they're willing to stand up and fight and they're going to court and they're saying, hey, can you come out to court, please, and if they're putting their name on our calendar, they're coming on our radio show and talking, or they're, or they're putting up their own event, they're just trying to get people to show up. My God, imagine what it would be like if you showed up in that courtroom and things went well. Imagine what would happen. Okay, we got a guy that's on right now, and Kevin, maybe you call in and tell us about your case. Uh, a felony in Wisconsin for a roach. Okay, a roach. But it doesn't matter. In the states where they don't have any provisions for, for decriminalization, in California, under an ounce is an infraction. But what do they do? They go and say, well, you got under an ounce, but it's broken up into four bags, so you were selling it. So we're still going to charge you with the crime. It doesn't matter. There are places like Wisconsin, Oklahoma, um, Kansas. Um, there, there are places where even the very smallest amount can turn you into a felon just like that. So, Kevin, if you can call in, um, anybody who wants to call in the show right now, and I've got non-compliant Mary screening, but I've got a whole bunch of calls on here that haven't been screened. So hopefully Mary can 
uh, screen some of these calls, and then I can bring them up. Otherwise, I'm going to bring you guys up sight unseen, and we'll see what happens. We'll play Wheel of Color, and I'm cool with that, too. But if you are listening on, on our live feed right now on Facebook and you want to call into the show, it's real simple. Pick up your phone and dial 646-929-2495. And whether we have a screener or not, I'm going to pick up this phone and I'm going to see who's on the line, and um, we're going to talk to you. If you've got a question about anything that has to do with um, ending prohibition, jury nullification, any case, an update, a chapter, um, anything that has to do with ending prohibition on any level in any way, um, call in. Let's hear what you have to say. Um, all right, we got Glenn Keeling. Glenn, um, first of all, we'll go ahead and bring you up first and type in what your first three digits of your phone are. I'm not sure what happened to Mary here, but I got uh, no screener here. Glenn, give me three digits of your phone number so I can bring you up. I think you're 808. Are you 808? I think you are. 863. There we go. Ah, 419. Got it. Okay, Glenn, I'm going to bring you up, and we're going to talk about your case, and we're going to talk about a concept that um, I've heard about, I don't know much about. Um, I would love to see that it works, and I'm all about anything that works. Glenn Keeling from Ohio, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Joe. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, you know, it's always a pleasure, and you are one of the reasons that we do this. Um, you know, the purpose of this show is to inspire, to educate, to um, bring awareness, to um, cause more people to participate in our mission to end prohibition. And what we've found as an organization is that when people stand together, when people unite, when people stand up for each other, that we get good things done. And that's what we're here to do. So, um, oh, and Becca jumps in, uh, second string. I'm so happy. And we got screening going on. Beautiful. Good job, everybody. All right. So, Glenn, why don't you tell us a little bit about this concept that you um, are going to introduce to us. And, um, we're going to talk about it. We have a guest next week already scheduled, uh, Rebecca Forbes, I believe is her name, and um, she's got actively a case going on that, that she's using this for. Why don't you um, let us know what's going on here? Um, actually, Rebecca had used that back um, last year, and Hi. her case has been completely done over with because of this concept, and it's called No Men's Rape. No okay. man's rating meaning, meaning that the, the actual definition of it is guiltless mind, meaning that even though you were breaking the law, whether you feel the law is, is correct or not, in your mind that you were doing what you were supposed to. Now, this works great for medical patients that is involved with a victimless crime because, first off, when you incite no men's ray. The prosecutor has to present a victim. Now, and you know that you, you've said it several times, that in cannabis cases, there is no victim. There, there's no victim at all. So there's no victim for them to bring forth. And prosecutors really hate hearing defendants 
incite that. And the reason is is because they have no way to fight against it. Um, I have a little printout here. Um, the first one is uh, defendants contend the state has failed to make a prima facie case that defendants commit a criminal act with the intent to do harm to a person, property, or puppy. Now, it's written in the law book like that. Uh, hey, the act is not comfortable. Real quick, I got Craig Cecil calling in from federal prison. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Get, get Craig. Hang on one second here. My phone is acting up. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Craig, are you there? Ah, there you are. I, I thought my phone was acting up. Okay, good. I'm glad you're. Uh, I'm glad you're with us. We're, we're having a bit of a freeform show today, and um, we were just talking about a concept called no man's ray. Are you familiar with it? No, I'm not. Well, the the, the idea, as I'm understanding of it, is it has to do with the frame of mind one an individual is. Well, in the commission of a crime, and it, it, it's essentially an intent. And what it, the way I understand the the concept, and it has to do with a victimless crime, especially, is that if it wasn't your idea, it wasn't your intent to commit a crime, if it wasn't your intent to cause harm to anybody or wrong, that there's a threshold that has to be breached, and. We're, we're in conversation right now about the application of it because I know that some technical crimes require a specific intent and, and others don't. And that's part of what I'm trying to understand is how all of this works. But I just was curious if you had heard of it or, or heard of it being used as a defense or, or being used successfully on any level. Yes, I, I am familiar with it. I didn't realize what what work you were using, mens rea, which is Latin for evil mind. There you go. And, uh, and uh, really where, where that's come of issue lately, and even amongst people that I'm here with, is um, and it's something that the Koch brothers stand very firmly opposed to. And uh, where mens rea comes in is, is it means that you had an evil intent when you committed the... Let's call it from a federal prison. And there's a lot of crimes where people can actually commit them by accident. And a lot of people are saying, well, that's not really a crime if you, you know, if you did something, you know, not with the intent to commit a crime or do it evil or do it wrong. You, you see that in some cases for, uh, like, farmers, where if they put fertilizer too close to a river, they're convicted of a felony, but of course they never had any sort of evil intent. Well, and I, I, I would have to think that who may not be, a, you know, that familiar with laws and was growing a plant that they knew to be beneficial to them, even though that plant was technically illegal, um, or, or ingesting a substance that they knew to be good for them um, without a victim, without any intent to harm anybody, that could be construed as um, not a criminal act, I would think, right? You're in probate Unfortunately, but yeah. um, those, those yeah. towards, you know, people can commit by accident, and, and you know, we definitely, you know, those of us of a thinking mind have to say that that just can't be right. 
Well, I think that there's a combination of, of people's awareness of this concept and maybe their awareness that they can nullify um, a jury if they determine a law to be unfair or unjust, and if their weight of measurement to fair and just might be a victim would have to be required for an act to be criminal. I mean, that almost makes sense in a, in a world that might make some sense. Well, as you know, too many of our laws are, are come from, you know, people that maybe have good intentions, but the, it's just been stretched so many, you know, different ways that it really shouldn't go. It, it should never be a crime that, you know, somebody could actually, you know, like I say, put fertilizer too close to a river or put, uh, you know, sewer, a sewer pipe too close to something else. And those are federal criminal statutes. They can actually go to prison for that. Yeah, I, I went to prison for uh, ordering uh, violets from uh, the flowers from South America. And they, he just ordered them and they sent them. He got them in the mail and they came and arrested him. He did eight years in prison for this. This retired wow. man. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm sorry to hear that. And, you know, the thing of it is, and I think it's important for us all to realize, is that when we're foraging forward, we're pioneers, literally. And, you know, I like to watch westerns and adventure movies, and there, a lot of times there's, there's a story that has to do with the pioneer in living and acting in a place where there's little or no law or where there's, there's unknowns, a lot of unknowns. And us, in trying to make change in the way that we're trying to make it, we're operating in a place that's in very gray area at best in a lot of cases, and and certainly the wrong side of the law, even though the law might be errant or bad or, 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 or poorly written. And, you know, it does take, unfortunately, I think, a lot of uh, bloody, bloody bodies that before you, you're able to make the true change. And as much as, you know, we all want to just change the law and walk away and everything will be good, the truth is changing the law, unless we change it really well, isn't going to do a damn thing to get you out of there, and it isn't going to do a damn thing to get Richard DeLisi out of there, and it ain't going to do a damn thing to get Michael Pelletier out of there or any of the other guys. And I think it's going to have to really focus on changing the way we think and what's okay and what's not. And there's a lot of different angles to look at why uh, marijuana and maybe some other substances really should have never been illegal in the first place. We have a right to eat what we want to eat. Think of all the things that you could eat that are actually bad for you. You know, or like a fat person eating too much food. You know, they well, um, allowed. They tried to make some kind of laws. I think it was in New York that was regulating, you know, the amount of soda somebody could have or something. But fortunately, that got overturned. I mean, you know, the the thought that we can regulate behavior and that we can regulate people's freedoms for the for their own good is so ridiculous. And, you know, human history and the human spirit and the, the, the innate desire for freedom should tell you by its own nature that you just can't regulate people to do with what you want them to do, even if it's good for them. People are going to do what they want, even if it's illegal. And I think that you know, we've just got to get over this. I just, I wish, you know, I could just pull out one silver bullet and shoot one thing one time and say, okay, we're done. But it seems like it's just so much more complicated. 
Well, the, the good part is, is um, your power, your strength, your, your way of thinking is getting more and more public airing. I had a number of people stop me today and uh, said, uh, oh, did you listen to NPR? Did you listen to NPR? They had some sort of program on the radio. I think it was probably the same program replayed several times, but it, but the way it was reported to me is all day long they were talking about, you know, marijuana in the states where it's been uh, decriminalized and, uh, you know, how it's being treated by the federal government. And, uh, it was, you know, just uh, presented in a way that, you know, how can how can we be prosecuting this? <laughs> but this is in the mainstream. It's in NPR, which is like our U.S. government you know, radio. Right, exactly. So, I mean, you, you are getting hurt. <laughs> Right, and, and it's true, and I think that, that the discussion, you know, Craig, one of the things that we're, we're launching right now is a campaign that we're calling Hashtag How Come, and we're going to be talking about it a little later in the show, and we're working on getting a little bit of funding, but the idea is to put up billboards, yard signs, um, T-shirts, whatever, with a message that says Hashtag How Come, and then a message that talks about prohibition. Why is it? Any of these things that we just brought out, how is it possible that somebody can get given a, a, a sentence with no victim greater than a sen a, somebody that commits a sentence that, that violently offends any one or more people? How, how come? How come it is that we're spending so much money on, on um, you know, nonviolent criminals? Why are, how come? It just goes on and on and on about uh, dissecting the nature of this problem in the overall effort of reaching people that just don't know these details, just don't understand it. A lot of people, frankly, think that if it's legal, it's good, and if it's not legal, it's bad, and they don't have any understanding or enlightenment about the process of laws, what causes laws to exist or not exist, or what allows laws to remain even though they're antiquated um, or draconian even. And so... The, the goal is is that we have a number of organizations now that are, have joined together um, for the purpose of, of creating this campaign. Um, and I understand today, later on in the show, um, a, a member from the group Patients at a Time, which is one of the larger organizations back east, is going to be um, joining in the fight with us. So, um, you know, I think it all it all comes down to education. It all comes down to... Um, information and it all comes down to public sentiment and the understanding of this problem of prohibition and and I think that letting people know that you're there and letting people know that Richard's there and and Michael Thompson and Michael Pelletier and all these other guys that are still there just mentioning their names out loud and saying why how come how come this guy is locked up in prison with the people that have caused so much harm to society, why is this guy there with them on our dime? And there's still a pothole in the road, and there's still a, a phone line that doesn't always work, and there's still water that's not good in Flint, Michigan, and there's still all these problems in the world, and yet you're taking our taxes and spending it on this. How come? Well, I, I agree, but again, we're, we're seeing more and more support behind people in uh like one I've seen covered here recently is a, a bunch of our veterans that are coming back from the you know the wars overseas, suffering from different aspects of P PTSD, and uh, they're finding that you know they're either giving them a you 
you know, a whole cocktail of all kinds of different drugs trying to treat them and turning them into zombies. But a bunch of them are finding relief through marijuana. But they, the VA is not allowed to prescribe it. And there's a bunch of doctors even complaining at this point, saying, you know, why can't I prescribe to somebody what works? <laughs> what is not as harmful as all these other drugs with, you know, we're, we're giving them otherwise. Well, you know what's interesting? Last last week's show, we had a guest that came on, and he was a um, an Air Force veteran. That matched exactly the scenario you're talking about. And he was on all kinds of uh, medication, and he told his story about he discovered that cannabis helped. And then as soon as he started doing the cannabis, the VA started giving him grief and, and all the rigmarole that goes on. But he ended up starting a nonprofit group um, to bring awareness to this, and um, he's committed to joining forces with the Human Solution. And we're finally, it looks like, going to be connected with the veterans group, and our hope is that we're going to be able to uh, broaden the reach and um, give more of a voice to these veterans who, you know, if anybody deserves access to this plant, it would be somebody who has been exposed to something horrible, whether it's war or a disease or um, an injury or whatever the horror is, my God, to be denied a plant that might help you, <laughs> I just I, I just don't get it, and, and so many people don't get it, and I think that how come, that question that we need to keep asking out loud in front of everybody with the faces of the victims um, you want to see victims? I got a hundred thousand victims standing right behind me. These are all the people that either can't use it, have been uh, criminalized by using it, or are afraid to use it because of that fear of being criminalized. Those are the true victims here, and the government, unfortunately, would be the perpetrator. And of course, you have the the naysayers that say, "Well, you can't somehow medically prove it works." And for the treatment of PTSD, but uh, but really, if the people that are suffering from it are saying, "I'm getting relief," <laughs> you know, even if it's only psychological, it works. At, at one like, point, when does when does proof become proof? You know, at one point, when you have enough people experiencing the same thing, when does it become reality? And and you, then you look at the the FDA trials and what little proof it actually takes to get proved on a on an FDA trial and, and, and how many uh, problems you can have and still be okay, that all makes no sense. Well, Craig, you got your first beep already. I turn it over to you. Well, I just want to thank everybody and like you. Push them to get in the press or like those dots fit. The, the flower works for them. You know, why should, why should they be kept from... What, what actually amounts to, for those people to be the, the best solution for their condition. And, you know, why would we, of all people, cut back on what our vets should have to be treated for, you know, what serving our country has left them? You know, so really, I mean, we, we can't have a, our country, the same country, take away what works for them. So, I mean, we can, those people make, you know, such a... a fr and there he goes. All right, so... Anybody who's ever listened to this to this show, anybody who has um, ever had a loved one that's been incarcerated, 
anyone who's ever known somebody that's been incarcerated, and you go to talk to them on the phone, and they get 15 minutes. And in some cases, in state prison, um, they can call back again and again, but in federal prison, you can't, unless you've got some kind of special um, dispensation or whatever. And every week, Craig calls in, and every week, um, we talk. And on some level, I want to just give Craig the the microphone to say everything he has to say, but then privately we talk, and he wants to have a conversation, and that's what this is about, and that's why I kind of have a conversation or a topic already laid out, and if he has something else he wants to say beyond that, of course, he gets the, the stage. And if he ever was to contact me and say, hey, I've got a real message I need to get out, we give him the floor. But the point is, almost every single week he gets cut off. Um, he gets a heads up that the second beep comes, which means he's got, you know, less than a minute usually to talk. Um, and most of the time he doesn't get to finish his thought. And that is a gross understatement of what happens when somebody is, is imprisoned. We talk about this um, victim statement, um, victim's families. And then when you talk to a prisoner and when you talk to a, a family member of a prisoner, you come to realize that it's not just the person that gets locked up that's punished. It's everybody they know. It's their whole family. If you've ever gone to visit an inmate, it's a real hassle. Um, and depending on where you go, they might reject you. In federal prison, a lot of times they turn you around and say, sorry, we don't like the way you're dressed. Or some reason, sorry, you're going to have to come back. I've known plenty of people that have faced that situation. Um, in county and state prison, it's typically they don't deny you, but you don't actually get to sit with them in some cases. Um, you're behind glass and uh, or on a computer screen. Uh, you don't get to actually physically be there with them. Um, can't touch them. Imagine the idea of, having somebody you care about, and they're removed from you through no fault of your own, and in this case, through no fault of their own. And imagine having a father who is locked up, or a grandfather or an uncle or somebody that you have a relationship with. Imagine being a father and having multiple children or one child or a wife or any combination of that or just loved ones. And, and to be cut off from them in a way that, that uh, and unfortunately, it's cruel and unusual. And I'm not saying that, that every prisoner that's locked up for any reason should have full access to their family. But I think that there should be some sort of, of uh, I don't know, some sort of a scale that says, you know, let's, let's judge a crime for its, for its severity for the depth of it, for the people impacted, and maybe judge the access to that. I, I have been aware of, I don't know how many inmates over the years that have lost family members, lost marriages, um, had children walk away from them. The, the rule is basically seven years that I've been told, and after seven years, most people won't stick by somebody that's been locked up. It's just too easy to walk away, too many things to go and distract out here. And in their time, it happens in a different way. 
And it's easy to not think about people that are locked up because you're busy dealing with your life out here. Um, but when you're locked up, all you have is time to think. And, and in the brief amount of time I've been locked up, it was long enough to, to experience that and to realize the other side of it. And maybe that's one of the reasons I, I refuse to let this go. I refuse to just move on and, and claim victory with our legalization crap. Um, as much as you read good things, I'm not saying there aren't good things. You know, San Francisco, the most liberal city in America, is expunging some records. Good job, San Francisco, the most liberal city in America. That's the same city that allows criminal immigrants to come and live there with no protection, I mean, no worry of being uh, gotten by outside law enforcement, regardless of who you kill or what you do. You know, there's good and bad side to all of that. I'm not saying what I think about it. I'm just pointing out there's a negative side of being too open about everything you do. By the same token, if there was a little bit of common sense involved, in any of this, and victims had more to do with crime than uh, ordinances or or regulations or, or taxes or all the little ridiculous things that can cause a nonviolent, non-victim act to be criminal. That's what we're talking about. So we're going to get back to Glenn, and we're going to talk more about no man's Rea or no man's Rea as it's being described. And... Uh, uh, Glenn, you're back on live, and, and um, Craig had an interesting point, and I, I fear that in some cases it's going to be just like in so many courtrooms um, all across the country um, and uh, indeed across the world that the interpretation of what is allowed in a courtroom is going to vary depending on the judge and depending on what, um, you know, what, version of a rule book they're willing to play from. And if we can find, and, and hopefully you do, um, a judge that acknowledges um, a concept that may, or, may be in the law books, but may or may not apply directly to certain types of, of, of criminal acts, um, I hope to God that you guys find a judge that does allow for this to happen. Um, what are your thoughts on, on what Craig had to say about it? Um, he he is absolutely right. It's it's not <clears throat> from the studies that we have done and, and all the cases and stuff that we have looked at. Um, it's a fifty-fifty chance that it works for people. We're just praying and hoping that you know when we turn in this paperwork to our attorneys to have them fill it out because it is there is places you can go online and get the paperwork and everything necessary to give to your attorney that he can fill it out and put it in as a motion. Um, we're just hoping and praying that we can get it to go through as a motion because there was no victim in our quote-unquote crime. Um, you know, I, I can't talk too much about our case in particular, but I can say that, you know, we were running meetings for two different organizations, both of them grassroots, legalization uh, to legalize groups uh, out of our home we had we were doing marriage counseling to several different couples that would come a couple times a week and we're just hoping that 
with us using the no measure in our case that they will realize that there was no victims, that there was really no crime. Um, like I said, it, it works only in about 50% to, to 55% of the cases that somebody enacts this for themselves. It's not going to work in every single case because you're right. It just depends on the judge himself, on, and on I guess, whether he got some the night before or not or if he's happy, his coffee was right or whatever the case may be. It, it really comes down to whether the judge is willing to accept that. Um, in our case, there was absolutely no victims. Um, there really wasn't no warrant for them to even come and knock on our door to start with. Um, there, there was no reason for it. And now, um, since they've taken the, it's medicine for us, since they have taken the medicine away from us, uh, for the last four years, we were able to stave off any new lesions or any new plaque uh, growth for Peggy. Um, she got MRIs done. She has to get them done four times a year. The last set of MRIs she had done was at the beginning of October, and she was clear of any new anything new. We went last Friday and got MRIs ran and done for her. She now has several new uh, lesions on her brain. There is uh, plaque buildup and something that has not ever happened before but is happening now, she has plaque that is on her spinal cord. And I am so this sorry. is all... Hey, I, you know, for, for everybody who doesn't understand um, that, this, that this medicine can help, and it, it doesn't necessarily help everybody for everything, but when it does work, which is more often than not, in my personal experience, it can be miraculous. And right, the absolutely. whole notion that that even if it worked as much as a pharmaceutical drug, which in many cases less than half, it should be allowed to be here. And, and, and to think that um, somebody is denied it because they're charged of a crime, whether or not that crime was committed or not, whether or not they're going to be um, found guilty or sentenced or anything, that they are being denied a need that that is giving a quality of life, if not downright staving off a disease, if not downright curing that disease, is criminal by itself. And, you know, there's a medical necessity defense that's the other side of a coin. I mean, we, 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 we talk about what can we do, even in a state where there's not a, a, a legal access of any kind, they still have a medical necessity defense that can be brought to the table. And if it's possible yep. to prove that this medicine is has brought this kind of, of uh, quality of life to a patient when all other medicines have failed, that in itself, if it can be allowed as ev admissible evidence, can be used as a defense. And I, and I think that one of the lessons to be learned here, and it's important, as I have been a defendant for three felony cases, a total of 27 felonies were charged against me, and not one victim was ever brought forth. Not one victim. And ultimately, I was cleared of all these felonies, but not without six years of anguish and everything, you know, being convicted, being tried, being locked up, being all of this stuff. And ultimately, 
being exonerated. But at the end of the day, when they take this stuff from you, they can seize your money, they can stop you from when you're on bail or, or you know, in in the condition of being on bail, they can deny you anything. They can say, sorry, you don't get to and insert anything they want there. And in so many cases, that's the thing they'll say, you don't get to have your cannabis. Even though the state law says you can, even though there's nothing illegal about it in the way that it's being used, the court can come in and say, nope, not here. You don't need to do that, even though everybody that's like you does. And I think right. it's important for people to realize that when you get charged with a crime like this, and and whether or not you have a, a cookie-cutter defense and you're, you maybe have a really good attorney, maybe you have a paid attorney that, that, that has a great success record, and they say to you, Oh, we've got this. We've got here's what we're gonna do and they have a simple linear strategy. You as a defendant need to be mindful that there are other alternative strategies and that they're not gonna happen on their own. If you want to try to bring jury nullification into your case, it ain't gonna happen easy unless you live in New Hampshire. If you want to bring the idea of no men's ray into your courtroom, it isn't gonna happen on its own. It has to be presented as a motion. If you think that you're going to get a medical necessity defense just because you think you deserve one, it doesn't happen that way. The rules of court would dictate that a judge either approves or doesn't approve any evidence, witnesses, um, jury instructions, anything that's a variable in his court that judge either approves or denies. And one of the things that you need to be mindful of is when you're going through court, you may go through multiple judges in the process. I went through, I think, four judges before my case was done um, in, in one case. And one judge can decide differently than the previous judge did. Whoever's presiding at the time ultimately makes the call. Right, but as right. You're going along, as you're going along through a case, it's important to realize that if you don't make an effort, if you don't put things on the record, if you don't say, here's what we're attempting to do, you don't get it on that record. And if you are unfairly convicted and you find yourself in a spot where you need to make an appeal, if you don't put that stuff on the record, what you tried to do, it didn't happen. So, Glenn, it's important to you and everybody who is standing and fighting their cases that if you have something that you deem to be important as a defense issue, um, that it gets put on that record, and there's a motion made, and it could very well be that a motion that was denied unfairly could get overturned by by an appellate court. Uh, it happened right. in my case. I was denied a medical defense in California when we clearly had a law that allowed for it, and that judge denied my medical defense. And it was if it wasn't for a writ filed in the Fourth District Appellate Court in California. I would have not had the defense, but they ruled in my favor because that judge made a bad call. So making that record. So anyway, sorry to cut you off there, but I just, it's important that we all are gaining from your experience at the same as you are. Right. And it is very important to keep those things in mind that if you do not get them and see the good thing about these court systems today and nowadays, They've done away with the little court recorder. Everything is video and audio recorded. So, I mean, that is a good thing to keep in mind, and you are absolutely right that 
if you do not make these things in formal motions or if you don't bring them up in court, nobody else listens. You will spend thousands of dollars on a paid attorney. Regardless of whether you spend that money or not, that attorney is not going to tell you certain things because he doesn't have to. You have to educate yourself. You have to dig in and find these things out for yourself. We've got one of the best attorneys around for Peggy in her case, and he has not ever said anything to us about jury nullification. He hasn't said anything about no men's right. He's not said anything about uh, medical necessity. They're not going to. They are not obligated by law to tell you these things. So it is best to be very educated. Even as you're going through this, there's certain you can find this stuff out. Google is a very good thing. Grabbing a, a, the state law book, whatever state you're in, all of this stuff is in these law books. You have to be educated yourself as well, maybe even more than some of the attorneys, because whether you pay for them or not, they are not going to completely work in your corner all the time. They want to make a deal just as much and just as hard as what the prosecutor wants to make a deal. And it doesn't matter what kind of deal it is, just that it's some kind of deal. And so you, It's very, very important that you've got to be educated. <clears throat> and, you know, especially going through cannabis cases where people are sick and getting sicker and making these defenses for themselves, I mean, watching Peggy go from being able to walk around the house and pick up whatever she wants and do whatever she wants and go for a walk and go for a drive to now being stuck on the couch or stuck in bed on a constant basis. I mean, she literally does not have the use of her left arm now. And all these new plaques and all the new lesions that she has is because she is being denied the right to be able to use cannabis for her medicine because the judge says, well, you're on bond, so do not use this. You can't do this. You can't do that. And it's sad that it happens. And it's sad to watch somebody on a day-to-day basis that is in a medical state that can have this as a medicine and is being denied because of a piece of paper. Well, I, I think that's part of what the Human Solution and our new How Come um, campaign and, and our effort to reach outside of our own membership and, and, and tap into other organizations and other, um, you know, facets. There's so many different groups that have been formed for all these various different reasons, and some have to do with cannabis and some have to do with legalization and some have to do with people and patients and civil rights and human rights and veterans' rights, and there's so many different reasons that people have come together. And I think that when we can tie, use prohibition as a, as a thread that binds us together, that, that creates a common ground that we all have suffered a, a, a persecution from. And whether, like me, you had your house raided and you had your property seized and you got your freedom taken and you locked up or like Ashley, and you have a family member who's been incarcerated for most of your life, if not all of your life, or if you have, like, uh, Peggy, who has been denied a thing that gives her a quality of life, for God's sake, every single one of those things are heinous on their face. And if, Or a veteran, or you have a veteran, a, a person 
who willingly put themselves in harm's way for our nation, regardless of what you think. Okay? They willingly put themselves in harm's way. They went to a place where violence occurred. They witnessed it, participated in it, got victimized by it. They come back fucked up. Okay? Right. And, and I'm sorry, whatever you think about this, I, it's not about that. It's about these people. And then the government comes in and says, here, take a bucket of pills. And that'll make you better. And then you come back being a zombie, as anybody who's ever taken a bucket of pills does. And then somebody says, hey, why don't you try this? And you happen to be one of those people that it's a magic pill for, which uh, many people it is. I don't know how many veterans I know that started smoking pot and they got off of all the drugs. They got off of all of them. And, and, and right. then their VA finds out about it and all of a sudden, sorry, you don't get to get treatment anymore. Or... Maybe your leg got blown off and you need some pain meds for it, but the cannabis takes care of most everything. No, you don't get your pain meds anymore because you chose cannabis. Any facet of that is enough that should outrage us to a point of instead of having thousands of people watching this show, there should be millions of people not just watching it, but being angered by it enough to do something. Or maybe don't be angered. Maybe take it and, and come from a place of love and change it because you're loving, or or maybe change it because it just needs to be done. I don't care what's your motivation, but what we need it, to change it. Should be, it should be changed because we're yeah. all humans, and we have the human right to be human. These pharmaceuticals don't make you human. They make you something beyond you. you when you you are on so many pharmaceuticals, you are no longer you. You are whatever them pills make you. And everybody should be right. Everybody should be outraged and pissed off because it's a human, basic human right to be human. Well, it's so true. And I think that for whatever reason, um, you know, again, um, for me, there's always a personal connection. The fact that, that you're participating and Peggy um, reached out and brought us brought to us attention about you when you were locked up, and then you get out, and then she is going through now such a, a, a physical battle, and you're, you've taken the reins and you're leading the charge. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a personal connection. And, and whether that's the reason why you, you're motivated or whether it's just to do what's right or whether it's, uh, something bigger than that or smaller than that doesn't matter. The point is the purpose of this show and and, and, and hopefully at least some part of all of our, our reason for being around here and listening to this is that there's problems with the world that need to be changed. And you know what? We're going to take them all on one at a time. But right now this is a big problem, prohibition, and the fact that anybody is denied a basic human right to put a substance in their body, whatever it is, by the law, by the government, and that if you violate that and you get caught, that you can lose your freedoms. So much so that it can be detrimental to your family, to your health, to whatever viability that we're talking about. So, Glenn, just know that, you know, as, as, as we've committed to before, we, we remain committed, and um, as, as we're going to have a guest next week that's going to talk about um, her success with this um, concept. Um, I, hopefully, maybe we can get Michael Minardi to come back on and talk about talk more about um, uh, the medical necessity defense. Um, I, I certainly encourage that you bring forward any and all um, 
weapons that you have to bear in your defense. And people don't realize, as a defendant, um, most people I talk to, uh, they rely on their lawyers to do the work. And they, you ask them, well, what are you doing for your defense or what's your plan? And they always say, oh, I have a lawyer. I have this lawyer or this lawyer or this lawyer. You know what? If you get convicted, that lawyer doesn't go to jail. If you right. lose or win, that lawyer just went to work and comes back, regardless of how good they are or how much they care. They don't have a dog in the fight the way you do. And what you need to do as a defendant, you need to be active and you need to be the one who stands up for yourself and does the legwork, does the research, and doesn't give up and works at this 24 hours a day until you get it done. And that's what I'm here to help you do because you understand it. And I'm just proud that you do, and I, I know that you're going to be victorious because of that. I, I'm tell you, I am so thankful that Peggy reached out to you guys and that you guys are here. And, and regardless of what anybody has to say, and I haven't heard anything bad, but Joe, oh, you were one of the most upstanding. You are one of the most. You are one of the most upstanding, caring people that I have ever spoke to or had any kind of contact with. And I, I'm telling you, brother, I am so glad that you are where you are to reach out and to help so many people, and to be there just to, to listen, and to offer advice, and to. Show so many avenues, and I'm, I'm telling, I would love to see all these groups come together because in each one of these little groups, there's a person just like you that is fighting just as hard <laughs> that could bring all of this together. We need to have the wounded warriors. We need to have the grannies for grass. We need to have all of these groups. Normal, even. I mean, I'm, I'm not too fond of normal at the moment, but even normal. <laughs> And, and Suave and all of these activist groups come together because everybody deals with human rights. And this is what it's absolutely about, brother. And I, I'm telling you, I am grateful that the human solution and you guys are here for people like us. And I'm going well, to Greg, fight. that's what we're here to do. And, and those things that you're just talking about, we're about to embark on. I've got Dolores Halbin up next. And um, we've got a special guest that's going to talk about joining forces and working together to end prohibition um, and, and bringing two powerhouse groups together um, in a way that we have never worked together. And, and the key is, again, you put your damn egos aside, people. It's not about any of this. It doesn't matter if, you, if anybody recognizes you or or knows you on Facebook, or, or said something good or bad or sideways, let the facts dictate the facts. Let your own personal experience be the judge of what you think. Who cares what somebody says? Right, right. And one more thing before I go. Do something. Be participating and watch what happens and judge the actions. That's all I can say. Well, Glenn, I am, again, very grateful that you're here. And um, I just, uh, once again, let me know what we can do as we're, as we're going forward. Absolutely, I sure will. One more quick thing. Now, I want to keep everybody remembering that self-education will get you very far in whatever case or whatever you're taking on. You have to be educated yourself because nobody else is going to fight for you as hard as you are. That's so true. And, and don't take anybody's word for anything. Put it to the acid test. Put it to the test. 
Not everything that one person experiences is what another person will experience in the same situation. So please, think for yourself. The very first shirt the Human Solution put out almost 10 years ago was written in the format of the font of the D.A.R.E. program. It said, D.A.R.E. to think for yourself. And I wore that shirt until it fell off at me, and I still had people going, oh, look at him, he's the D.A.R.E. guy going into the hydro store. I wonder what that's about. They wouldn't even friggin' read it, okay? <laughs> Take a minute, right read the signs, read what people are saying, listen to them, do some research. Think for yourself, folks. Thank you so much, Glenn. Once again, Glenn Keeling in Ohio, um, running the, the chapter up there. Glenn, how would somebody reach you if they want to participate or help out? If anybody want to reach me, my number is 419-863-0498. We do have uh, our next third date is, is uh, February 14th at 1 o'clock. Happy Valentine's Day to us. But that is in <laughs> Salina. <laughs> That's in Salina, Ohio. Uh, Mercer County, if anybody is in the area, please come out and support us. Come out and, and hear because we're going to be stealing all kind of good information and good stuff. Once again, that's 419-863-0498. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Once again, Glenn Keeling from Ohio. Okay, we got Dolores Halbin coming up next, and um, we're going to be talking about our how Come campaign, and um, we're going to be introducing a couple of other guests that are coming forward. Um, before we do that, I just want to be, put out a little bit of gratitude. Um, we had a new um, offer to do some volunteer work, and um, hang on a second, I'm looking. Actually, I believe the individual is on on the uh, live feed right now. And the last name is Church. Anyways, I'm sorry, my memory is very short, and I will be responding to you tomorrow. But out of out of Kansas, we have an individual that reached out willing to volunteer. Uh, we have two chapters in Kansas that are actually one chapter, whether they know it or not. Um, we've decided uh, that we're doing one chapter per state, except for California, because it's huge. Um, and we have cases in Kansas. We have a need in Kansas. We have a lot going on in Kansas. However, if somebody volunteers for the organization, the human solution, you're not necessarily limited to what you can do locally, but you can participate electronically in many, 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 many ways. So um, we're gonna, I'm going to be reaching out to you um, tomorrow, and we will talk about uh, participating um, as a volunteer. But there's a lot that can be done on all stages of it. So, all right, we got Dolores Halbin. Dolores is a member of the American Cannabis Nurses Association, and she is a former defendant, or, well, she's a former defendant. She's um, somebody that we've advocated for with her nurse's license. We demonstrated successfully that um, public support can have a huge impact, and the letters that were written on her behalf um, had an impact on the decision that allowed her to maintain her license. Um, and there's so many things that even just being there for somebody um, makes a difference. And, and so many times I listen to our volunteers, our members, and they call me up and they tell me, yeah, somebody uh, called up and, and I, I took the call and, and I listened to them. And by the end of this conversation, they just broke down and cried. 
and they thanked me for being there. And I, all I did was listen to them on the phone. I didn't do anything. But when you get busted for pot, it's such a surreal experience, and so few people understand it, and so few people are understanding of it. So few people are willing to accept the fact that maybe you aren't a criminal. Just because they accused you of doing something doesn't mean you did anything wrong. And to have somebody that just listens to you for no reason other than you're a human being and you deserve to be listened to is powerful. And a lot of times that's all we do. A lot of times all we do is be there for you. Show up. Show up at court. Don't say a word. Um, wear a ribbon and just show support. Write a letter. Don't even meet you. I've never met Dolores in person, but I feel like she's a sister. I feel like she's somebody who um, I'd take a bullet for, her. somebody that um, she's had a loss that nobody should ever go through um, because of this, and she stood up uh, for what's right in, in, in spite of uh, what was in front of her. So, Dolores, welcome to the show. No pressure. Um, you're doing great. (laughs) You're so sweet, Joe. Thank you for all the kind words. Um, There's so much that's so close to home for me because I watched my the morning they we had just got back from a two-mile hike there to being paralyzed to dying and it was completely unnecessary and you know when this is all over the lawsuits are going to go on for another hundred years. I hope there's a victim's fund um, because this is what they're doing. It's just so incredibly criminal. It's medical abuse and neglect. It's practicing medicine without a license. Um, It's abuse of our elderly, our babies, our veterans, like you were saying earlier. Speaking of which, um, hopefully Mary Lynn is on hold. I don't know if she got called in. Um, Still here. Oh, good, good. I just, I'm going, yes, I don't, I'm going to give the time to her, unless you can have us both on at once. I don't know if that's possible. No, no, we can have you both on. We're good. Dolores, I'm going to bring you up as well. I'm going to keep you up, and I'm going to bring Lynn up. Okay. And then um, we've still got 45 minutes left of the show, and I've got awesome. about 30 minutes of it spoken for. So you got about 15 minutes to do with as you see fit. Okay, Mary Lynn, welcome to the show, and you're here with Dolores and myself. Thanks, Joe. Good to be here. Absolutely. I, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, and that's why I called you Mary Lynn. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself, and that way I don't screw it up. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm actually I'm moving because I'm worried I've got an, a, an echo. But um, Mary Lynn Mastery, I'm a nurse, uh, as Dolores is, with patients out of time, Um. So my my fight in this goes back <laughs> a long time ago. I've been a nurse since 1975, but in the early 80s, I went back to school and I did my thesis on marijuana disclosure to healthcare professionals, um, naive enough to only call it marijuana and to looking into it, thinking about people using it for social use. Uh, as time went on, or as I did my thesis, I learned something incredible. I did a survey of marijuana users, went through normal. Um, that's 1984. And the last question on the survey was asking about their concerns about their use of marijuana. Did they worry about their, um, its effects on their heart, their brain, their lungs, et cetera? And there was an other 
uh, box that they could check. And people wrote in, I'm a multiple sclerosis patient. I'm an MS patient. I used it when I was pregnant for morning sickness, uh, you know, glaucoma, the nausea. It just opened my eyes. I only knew it was good for, for nausea and, and vomiting. Um, so years go on. I got My husband and I both got involved with normal. Uh, my husband and I are both veterans. I'm an ex-Navy nurse. I was in the nurse corps for seven, excuse me, six years. My husband is a retired uh, naval officer. So the veterans issue is, is really big for us. But we worked with normal, volunteered, I should say, uh, with normal uh, for several years, being on the board of directors of national normal, and got frustrated because it was clear that patients needed this as medicine, and also clear we're now talking, you know, um, mid 80s to early 90s. It was also clear that healthcare professionals were scared to death to even mention the word, um, just because yep. you know, oh, they're going to drug test me or they're going to think I'm a druggie, whatever. So we moved away and, from normal and started patients out of time. So our, that was in 1995. The purpose for patients out of time is to educate healthcare professionals and the public about the therapeutic use of cannabis. Um, and along with that, the, teach them about the endocannabinoid system. And at the time, my goal was, or my thought was, if we can get healthcare professionals to understand the history, the science behind cannabis, they have no choice ethically but to support this and to try to change the laws. Um, as you can imagine, it's still <laughs> real slow. We've still got a lot of healthcare professionals that don't know what they're doing. I mean, the case of Dolores is absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, the fact I that know. her husband was persecuted for that. And then, I mean, insult to injury of all of the horror she went through the last thing that you, you as you said you were you were helping with her case to be charged with moral turpitude for a nurse to be charged with something that goes against her ethics for someone so ethical and then when they actually you know dropped the charges or dropped whatever against her but the letter back to her was you know kind of we hope you've learned your lesson and it's like what not to take care of my husband Right. <laughs> not to support him <laughs> Right. So shoot anyway, you next I, time. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Sorry, I said shoot. Just shoot him next time. Get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, it, it is terrible. And uh, yeah, so it's been a long mission for patients out of time, and and we always say cannabis. That's one of the things we try to do is to help people understand this is an old medicine, a well-known medicine yep. throughout the world, through the United States, and and marijuana came up as you know. It was the whole reefer madness. Scare people into thinking this dangerous drug. And it's so sad to see, you know, people like Sessions still touting the stupid things. You know, good people don't smoke marijuana. Well, where did that come from? Uh, but it, it's, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I applaud you for the human solution because I couldn't agree more. Cannabis is a human right. It's a plant. It's a wonderful plant that just so happens to actually feed our bodies um, with, with essential nutrients, let alone um, cannabinoids that our body can use in, in the raw state from a, from a green leafy vegetable. Um, and then, of course, you've got the medicinal value of it um, or the other value of even the hemp plant. 
it, it also well, you know, blows my mind. That, go ahead. What's interesting? What's interesting, Mary Lynn? I, I'm very well aware of the Patients at a Time Conference. Um, in fact, I, I had years ago when we were a young organization, I had somebody that had attended it. I've not been fortunate enough to attend it, but years ago, um, I don't know, it must have been seven, eight years ago, I had somebody that attended it and said, I just went to this amazing conference. We need to put on something like that. And it was, that was when I became aware of the, of the organization. And I think that it's important, and I, and I keep sort of making this challenge out there. When can somebody come forward and have a, a, a conversation? I, I don't want to necessarily say debate because the debate is almost contrived, but a conversation, a, a serious scientific conversation about the facts surrounding this plant and that there would be some sort of a third-party scientific intermediary that would oversee this. And let's have this conversation once and for all in a way that everybody determines is a fair uh, arena. And you can bring the very best opponents and the very best supporters, but we have to have science and, and the facts and the truth be the grounding point, be the compass of this. And I have yet to see any scientific evidence that backs up the, the reefer madness claims and and there is yet to be a single case of death directly attributed to cannabis and there has yet to be any sort of side effects aside from allergic reactions that anybody could have for any reason that make cannabis even more dangerous than water much less any other FDA approved pharmaceutical drug so my point is why can't we get our opponents to have an open forum discussion, a, 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 a roundtable discussion, a, a, what do you call the, the political version of that, uh, the, whatever, the little, the, you know, the, 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 not a debate, but a, um, I forget what they call round it. But anyway. Yeah, roundtable discussion is good, and, and I like what you're saying because debate is basically saying, us against them, usually when it's a debate, and a conversation would be wonderful. I'll tell you what, for our conferences, uh, gosh, for almost every one of them, we send out an invitation to the Surgeon General. <laughs> one, if, 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 if he or she would want to speak at the conference, and if not, please come and learn. Um, we please. have sent some out to, uh, to people with the DEA. We learned a while ago that the DEA, actually, their policy was never get in it, into a conversation with patients out of time. <laughs> and I mean, it, in uh, one sense, it's you. funny, but it was like, because we're going to bring the facts, you know, it's like, right. we're going to bring the facts and let's just, let's just talk about it. It, it is absolutely amazing in talking to healthcare professionals. Some of the things they say, uh, let me, let me tell the listeners a funny, not a funny story, but there's a wonderful nurse practitioner in New Mexico, Brian Crum. He actually, he helped draft their law, and New Mexico was one of the first ones to have a medical cannabis law. And when he wrote it, he made sure that um, all um, healthcare practitioners who normally could prescribe medications could recommend cannabis. So that allowed nurse practitioners. And he's a psychiatric nurse practitioner. He's treated many, many, many veterans. But um, he's a bright guy, and he coined this new diagnosis. And he calls it the marijuana uh, delusional disorder. 
And what it is, is he says it's very common among uh, judges, law officers, and psychiatrists. And the point is, they're stuck with this marijuana delusion. They, they cannot look at the facts about cannabis. They can't comprehend them because they've got this delusion that marijuana is this big boogeyman. You know, it's going to make them go to heroin. It, it's the gateway drug. It, it makes, you know, boys go grow breasts and, and you lose your, you know, your brain shrinks up. It's just crazy. But um, as funny as it is, I mean, it's, there's seriousness to it. Yeah. So marijuana delusional disorder, we've got, unfortunately, a lot of people out there suffering from it. Well, so, and I if I might say, it is not just delusion, it's money. It's the marijuana money disorder and the greed that is involved in, you know, Jeff Sessions taking the maximal, maximum allowable donations from tobacco, pharmaceutical, and um, what's our third one, Nemesis? The prison, the private prisons, and giving the maximum amount of donations, and this is a real kicker, to the highway patrol. So the highway patrol is opposed because they're getting money for this. They don't get money for rape kits, but they do get money to go out and eradicate the cannabis plant. So since it's one of their only sources of revenue and it's a good sweet one, I mean, you know, what would you rather do? Burn down a meth house or go after a rapist or come after me and Jean, have a nice stroll in the country and get to go through my underwear drawer. Yeah. Oh, you're Seriously. exactly right. The the um the the it was the State police in Virginia that went after a neighbor of ours who's a two-tour Iraqi veteran, serious post-traumatic stress, recently married, um, out in the country. We're out in the country, as most veterans are, especially if they're combat veterans. Um, Out in the country, and the next thing you know, there's a helicopter right over their house. And then up came the the highway patrol in their car in the middle of nowhere. The wife was there alone, and and so... uh, her husband got there later, but they, they got them. They got them for four less than a foot high plants that were literally among their tomato plants. There was no way, no way that a helicopter saw it from up high. That helicopter mm-hmm. flew right over the house and hovered until the, the, the cop car came there. So we don't know who busted them. But, yeah, it, it really devastated them for a couple of years, cost them more money than they can afford. He's 100% disabled. The sweetest guy You're ever. You're never the same. You're never the same. It and takes it just goes on, on and on. People can die from a broken heart, and ultimately, I swear, Gene just died from a broken heart. But Marilyn, what we are going after here, uh, Cup of Joe, the Human Solution. We've got um, what is? I never can get Peter's group right. What is it? The 420. Whatever. Anyway, um, a, what we're called? Can we talk? And, yeah, and, the Cannablog. Can we talk? Is, is, is Can we talk? Show. Right. So, what we've done is we've formed this coalition of interested people, and we're we're getting together on the phone a couple of times a week. And I know you're swamped with patients out of time right now, but we have introduced the hashtag How Come, and it kind of came out of a a brainstorming. And like my last two or three interviews I've done, when I'm done, that's what the reporters have asked me. Well, how come it's still illegal? Well. We all know how come. 
So what we're trying to do is get together a billboard campaign. Billboards are starting to come back into their own again. Um, Bleeding Kansas has used them. They put uh, little Autumn Gordon's picture up next to the senator that won't give her CBD oil. Um, There's a guy that just used them in one of the black-white cop shootings. It's pissed off about it, so he's covered his state with these billboards. They're cheap. And if we could find people that were legitimately making money growing that would finance them, then what we're doing is putting together a couple of prototypes. So, like, because it's a 501c3, what Joe is doing. You're a 501c3. So if somebody put up, you know, sold you a billboard, well, it's free advertising for them, and not just that, but tax deductible, to say how come Senator X is getting X, thousands of dollars from tobacco pharmaceutical and private prisons and voting against cannabis or how come this child in this zip code can get an emergency inhaler and this child in this zip code has to get on a midnight train to Colorado so to get those it's two thousand dollars at the most to put up a billboard and then like five or six hundred bucks a month but it's like we've been talking. If somebody else doesn't buy it, they'll just leave it up. So it's and it's pre advertising for any organization that will sponsor one of them. So that is sort of the way we'd like to go at sessions and at the money and attack the money and educate the public about the money because they know. I mean, you just can't live in America now and not know. Well, 25% of the herd is not going to believe it's medicine, but that's herd mentality. They're going to stay behind and burn up with the forest fire. 50% are going to follow the 25% of the leadership. So we've got 75% of the country that knows it's medical, that knows what we know. What they don't know is how come we can't move. And what they don't know is the money behind it. And that's what they have to do know. So that's yeah, and you're right. There, yeah, there's a lot of money behind it. Well, that sounds like a, um, yeah, a good a good campaign. People do look at at them and getting the right statements out there. There are so many how comes, you know, you can think yeah, think of it's endless. Um, which is sad. One one of the things that we wanted you to come on the show, um, first to introduce yourself and and you know to have a minute to. To, to get to know each other, and, and clearly we agree on probably more things than we disagree on by a lot. Um, but I, w- I wanted to formally, uh, you know, offer to extend my hand to say I'd like to work with you on this project. Um, and I don't know what that means yet. There's not any sort of requirement or obligation, but more just a, 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 an agreement that, you know, this is a project if it comes to fruition, could make a difference in the world in that I believe that as many uh, nonprofit organizations that have a different reach and a different um, uh, focus, if we were to come together in this uh, forum and uh, work together to get this messaging out, and we're talking about billboards, we're talking about yard signs, we're talking about T-shirts, we're talking about a messaging campaign that's hashtag how come and to, um, you know, encourage people that have um, benefited from the industry in some way, whether it's a 
a grow shop or a grower or a, a producer of a product or, or, or a magazine or whatever that says, look, we can give you some free advertising if you donate to this cause um, under whatever 501c3 that's supporting it, um, and we will, in exchange for that donation, put up a billboard, you'll get recognition in that billboard, and the message goes up. Um, that, that's our thought, and we're, we're, we're just getting past the concept into the creation part of this, and we're right now looking for like-minded individuals and organizations uh, to join forces with it. Well, I tell you, I, I'm, I'm very interested. Marilyn, would you I'm plug very... the plug the conference? Explain the conference coming up. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring that up. But let me just yeah say to that point, I am very interested. I, you know, and I think that's a great idea because I can tell you for years, you know, I just kept saying this is so stupid. It's so frustrating the prohibition, but it's the same page you're on. It's not. It's criminal. The the prohibition of cannabis is criminal. People are dying every day simply because they cannot access this medicine or they're dying in pain or they're just suffering day to day. And that's a crime when there's a plant that's available to fix them. So um, we're kind of this year, we're, we're going with the um, focusing again. We kind of did last year in Berkeley at our conference, um, looking at cannabis as a harm reduction agent. This year, our conference will be May 10th through 12th. For anyone to remember that, it's, it just happens to be Mother's Day weekend. Um, it's going to be in Jersey City, New Jersey, literally across the Hudson from New York City, easy to get to. We're going there for a couple of reasons. But the theme, it'll be the 12th National Clinical Conference on Cannabis Therapeutics. We've been doing these since 2000, but we started out every two years. Now they're every year just because there's so much science coming out. But the theme for it is cannabis, colon, relieves pain, treats addiction. And it's because we got to go head on to this. As we all know, there's an opioid epidemic, people dying every day, over 92 overdoses a day. We have veterans committing suicide, way more than 25 a day, committing suicide. They need access to this now. And when you hear it, I mean, and we all do, you hear it, it's national news, and they're saying, We've got to do something about this. We've got to think outside the box. And yet they don't say cannabis. They will not say that. I literally, I mean, I was at our conference in Baltimore. The um, head of the the drug czar was there talking about we need to, to, you know, beat this epidemic. We need to think outside the box, do whatever we can. And so I went up to the microphone at the end and I said, okay, well, good for you. That's exactly what we need to do. This is serious. So can we have a conversation about medical cannabis as an option? And right away he says, we don't want people smoking medicine. And as I started to say, I never said smoked. They turned the mic off. <laughs> so I couldn't talk anymore. But it, it's outrageous. So our, but the interesting thing about, I shouldn't say interesting, but I think the, the, the important thing we're doing this year at the conference is instead of um, sometimes we have pre-conference workshops that might be focused something specifically for nurses, something specifically for veterans, for physicians, for patients, whatever. This time we're just doing a policy. So Friday and Saturday, the 11th and 12th, will be about the science. We bring in people from around the world to bring the latest science about cannabis. We bring in clinicians who are dealing with patients, and we bring in patients at the conference. But the policy 
uh, piece workshop we're going to have on Thursday, the 10th, is going to focus on the prohibition. And our, our reason for this is to kind of really make people face the facts of what the prohibition is doing. And it's just so clear how hurtful and harmful it is to individuals and to our society as a whole. My hope is that especially healthcare professionals, now anyone can come to our conference, but it really, we do try to target the healthcare professionals because I really think it's their ethical duty to fight for patients to get access. As a nurse, you know, we're patient advocates, so we have to fight for patients when something's not right, and clearly the prohibition is not right. So we really want them to get faced with, if you just sit quietly and say, well, it's against the law, there's nothing I can do about it, um, hide your head in the sand, don't want to learn about it, that's unethical. That's, that's, you can't do that. This has harmful consequences. People are dying, people are losing their homes, people are going to prison. Uh, yeah, big pharma is making big bucks with their pharmaceuticals that are literally wreaking havoc on society. Um, you know, they talk about double-blind placebo-controlled studies to get a drug approved through the FDA. People don't realize a couple of things. One, they're not paying attention to the fact that cannabis is a plant. It's been around forever. It's not a new chemical that needs to be tested. Uh, you know, and that's just so obvious. The other thing people aren't aware of is physicians might know that this drug has been approved by the FDA, but there have never been double-blind, placebo-controlled studies of using multiple pharmaceuticals at the same time. And you can imagine like a veteran putting them out on antidepressants, on a sleep medication, on an anxiety medication, on a pain medication. Oh. It makes them nuts. You can't, you can't the side effects study of suicide. It's not studyable. There's too many variables. And when you're dealing with a plant, a single plant that has over 400 compounds in it that vary not only from plant to plant and strain to strain, but even in how it's grown and where it's grown. Um, it's not possible to do a single molecule study on it and have any kind of efficacy of that study. And that's one of the things that we need to get past. You talk about harm reduction and you talk about the facts that we know that there has not been a single, not one, case of yep. a death that directly attributed to cannabis ingestion of any form. Not shooting it in your exactly. eyeballs, not, not snorting it, not drinking it, not eating it, not doing anything. There's no way that we know that you can kill yourself with it. And and to, to again, to open up this conversation, I want to, we're running kind of tight on time. And, and Mary Lynn, I, I absolutely, as I've done to Dolores, I, I want to welcome you back to the show because clearly we have more to talk about than we're going to have time to. And uh, at your convenience, I would love to have you back on as a guest. But I want to talk to this one topic quickly, and then I want to ask about how to participate in this conference. How would somebody um, sign up to, to attend it? Um, when we talk about prohibition and we talk about legalization, part of my mantra is that there is not one single law passed in America today that has ended prohibition in that state or province or wherever the hell it is. There's always a limitation of every single law in Colorado, California, Washington, Oregon, Washington, D.C., whether it prohibits access or it prohibits manufacturing or it prohibits the ability to produce what one person might need 
as their medicine, it always falls short of giving people what they need. And and there is not one single law that makes it okay for any citizen of that na of that state to do whatever they might need. What if you need four different kinds of oil? What if you need you know uh, more than the allowed amount of plants? What if you need more types of plants than most people would recognize as viable. Prohibition isn't passing a law that allows a few people to do a few things. Prohibition is decriminalizing, rendering a, a, a substance or something that is prohibited no longer prohibited. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, yeah I've got real strong thoughts on that. And I tell you, I don't like I don't like the term decriminalize. <laughs> And I don't like, and I, and I tell people, sorry, it's so funny, Dolores. Well, she knows what I do. I know how you but, feel. Tell us how you really feel, Mary Lynn. Uh, <laughs> but it's, I tell you what, I, the term legalization drives me nuts, too, because I look I at people it. and I go, who the hell are you to say that you're going to legalize a plant? Who the hell are we to, to make a plant illegal in the first place? It's like, what, right. how, how does somebody even assume we can do that? So clearly, um, Patients Out of Time, if people do go to our website, either patientsoutoftime.org or medicalcannabis.com, um, you should be able to find our descheduling petition. And I would love for every one of the listeners to print that, print that descheduling petition and use it to educate anyone. I mean, it's basically saying, this is a plant. <laughs> This is a plant that is, has nutritional value. This is a plant that has medicinal value. This is a plant that the prohibition was based on lies and greed and racism. Um, you know, it just goes on and on and says, so the only solution is deschedule it. Free this plant so anyone can grow it or whatever they want to do with it. Because you're right. The way the laws are, Somebody's, you know, oh, now they're too young. Oh, this one, you don't have the right condition to fit for it. Oh, you can only grow this much. In Florida, the people passed a ballot for cannabis, and then the legislators came in and said, okay, but you can't smoke it. You can only sell oil. They won't let the dispensary sell the flowers, sell the buds. It's, uh, it, it's just nuts. And everybody has to be able to grow it. It's and, and I keep reminding people, it's kind of like tomatoes, you know. Anybody can grow tomatoes. Most people don't. Most are going to want to, they'll buy their canned tomatoes, and they'll go to the grocery store and get them. So this is an herb. Grow okay. your own. Go to Amish a farmer's weed. market to get it. Yeah, yeah, go to a farmer's the market Amish. to get it. You're right. They'll grow it really well for you. <laughs> Exactly. Anyway, yeah, I, I clearly it, it needs to be free. You're exactly right. Good. I'm glad I'm glad we, we, we feel that same way. I got that sense when we first started talking. But I like to be clear about things and where people stand. I hear the term legalize it a lot and I want to smack people um and, and that you know would certainly be construed wrong. So I don't smack them, but I it it, <laughs> it bothers me a lot. Um so so as we're again running low on time for this episode, but I certainly would love to have you back to talk more. The Patient Out of Time Conference, why don't you once again tell us when it is, um, how somebody could sign up to participate in it, and uh, again, how to reach you and participate uh, with the Patients Out of Time organization. Okay, great. Well, we actually, um, for years, we were not a membership organization. 
we are a membership organization because basically we think we represent everybody. That's our goal is, is we think everybody needs access to this plant. Everyone is a patient out of time. You might not know it now, but you might not need it now as a patient, but you may or someone you love will. I mean, one of the studies we had at, at uh, our 2012 conference, a uh, researcher from Ohio, his lab indicated that one inhalation of cannabis a day could prevent Alzheimer's. So, I mean, how many people does that affect? Um, so anyway, I'd, I'd love for folks to join us um, and be a sustaining member if we, because we've done this as volunteer since 1995. And unfortunately, um, as Dolores kind of hit there, I mean, there are only, there are also, as you guys know, people in this now only for the money. And it, it, it's, you know, they're, they're making themselves rich and not helping anyone because sometimes they're lying about their medicine or they might not be growing it as properly as they should, whatever they're doing. And they're in it for the money. And I say that because they brag about the money they make, yet they give nothing back to some of these nonprofit organizations that are simply trying to help people. Um, but anyway, so the conference is open for anyone. I really especially, and, and it is designed at a level for healthcare professionals. Sometimes a lot of patients get a lot out of it and they love to come because they want their, they want what they feel they know. They want it to some validation about that. Um, so it's really good. But for the most part, I would really urge patients, listeners out there, to get your primary provider to come to this conference. There's no excuse. Healthcare professionals need to know. So it will be in Jersey City. It's a quick trip either, you know, to, to New Jersey or the New York City Airport because it's right there in the hub. They kind of call it the fifth borough of New York City. Um, May 10th through 12th, go to patientsoutoftime.org to register. Um, if anyone wants to ask me any question in particular, I've got a real easy email, ml for Mary Lynn, ml at medicalcannabis.com um, can get to me. But again, our website's there. Uh, please check out the website. The more, the reason we want to get the money is we've got a ton of educational material. Every one of our conferences has been videotaped. And just the fact that we lack the money, we can't do as much as we want to with getting that information out. So we, we do need funding. We do need, need help in that regard. Um, I don't know. What else to say? No, I think <laughs> that's good. Out of time. Well, I mean, it, and, and that's the name. You know, I mean, obviously. We're advocates out, out of time now. <laughs> I'm sorry? Yeah, you're out of time. I, I said we're advocates out of time. I've actually got... George Martirano getting ready to come on. This man just served 32 years in federal prison for pot. Oh. Um, and he oh. is uh, a regular segment on the show now. Um, he's a good friend. He's an advocate. He's now trying to put his life back together. He just got off paper last week. And um, imagine 32 years behind bars for pot. It just makes no sense. But we should get him and here. Jeff Mazinski in Missouri together. Yeah. Well, I, said, I, ask George if he knows Jeff Mazinski. They should get together. Absolutely. Jeff, I, just I got will out. Jeff just got out after 22 years. Exactly. Exactly. Now I, I, I've worked a little bit with Jeff, and I, I'm, I'm again feel the same way. 
Um, yeah. All right. Well, Mary Lynn, we've got to get moving. I appreciate you being here, and I absolutely will uh, reach out to you separate from this, and um, um, we'll figure out a way to, to lock arms a little bit better and, and make this happen. I'm going to do what I can to get out to that conference as well. Okay, good. That would be great. Love to meet you in person. Likewise. Me too. I've never met you in person either. That would be awesome, and I'm going. So, All right, thanks a lot, Joe. We will do what we can on all those fronts. Thank you so much, Dolores Halbin and Mary Lynn Mathry. Um, and I'm just really tickled to, to watch these organizations and individuals you know, the funny thing with, with advocates, we're all so busy, we're all so committed, we're all volunteers, we're all broke as hell, and yet we're all moving forward to make the difference. And to watch that we're getting together, um, and, and I've got, uh, yeah, Pete Yapel, you're absolutely welcome to come aboard. Um, oh, that's Pete, not, not um, I'm sorry, that was Pete, not George. Hopefully George will make it. Pete Yapel's on the line, and... Um, Definitely, we're going to make room for you. And if we have to, we can go a little bit long. So hopefully, George will make it. I got David Abel from Kansas. He's going to come on first. Um, and then we've got uh, uh, Pete Yaple. And then Tom Corby always closes the show out. And even if we go a little long, um, the key is is if we do go long, you can't call in um, after overtime, but you can stay on and listen. So once again, we've got about 11 minutes left of the show. If you feel like calling in to join us, Six four six nine two nine two four nine five. All right, David Abel, I've got a, a a minute or two for you, but I hear you have a how come story. Welcome to the show. Yeah, well, I have a how come for you. How come no money is trying to get this on the 2018 federal ballot? Places like Kansas, uh, we don't have a ballot initiative. So uh, I have a hashtag for you. Hashtag. Let us vote. There you go. And I, I wish we had um, an initiative, federal, a federal initiative process. Uh, unfortunately, we have the ability to vote in elected representatives, but as a representative republic, um, we don't get to vote on federal laws, and that's not something that we've ever. Uh, had no, they've had it in the past. They had it um, on a federal ballot. I, 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 I don't. I'm not aware of, of a federal initiative, but meanwhile, maybe we should create one. Maybe that's the thing that we should demand. I think that if we had one, we would have ended the Controlled Substances Act a long time ago. And I, I think absolutely so think that, that is a great topic. And, David, it's, a, it's good to hear from you. I haven't talked to you in a little while, and I wish I had a little more time, but we're uh, real slight on time now. So, um, no But problem. I appreciate you joining and, and you're welcome to, to, to be a part of the show anytime. Have a good night. All right. Once again, David Abel from Kansas, friend of the show for since, I don't know, probably since the beginning. Okay. Um, Pete Yaple. Uh, Pete Yaple is the chapter coordinator, a chapter coordinator of our New York chapter. Um, he's also um, the host of Can We Talk? And uh, cannabis country and so many other things that he's operating on. He's a he's a, a, a speaker, a coach, um, an advocate, a patient, all of these things at once. And now he's a he's a guest on the show. Welcome to the show, Pete. It's always good to hear from you. I've missed talking to you. You haven't been around much lately. 
Oh, Joe, I have been so busy, man. You know me and Helen have been going absolutely nuts trying to get into these school systems to try to help educate and set up an adult education program in which people can notice opiate problems and opiate abuse, other drug abuse problems, offer them alternative measures and speak to them so that we can stop these kids from becoming a generation that won't exist going along this line. We lost four people in the last week here to a bad batch of heroin, um, and it really hit home with us because we knew um, we knew both ends. We knew of one of the people that died, and we knew the guy that finally and ultimately has been arrested and being prosecuted for now four deaths. Um, uh, so it's been really close to home this week, and that's what our show was dedicated to Monday. And we came across and stumbled across today. That's why I wanted to get on today, and I'm why I wasn't on earlier um, is because I stumbled across a gentleman that's running for governor here in New York. Uh, the gentleman's name is Larry Sharp, and uh, he was holding an open mic forum tonight. And I was oh, no. lucky enough, as usual, because you know my persistence, to continue to call <laughs> to get on his show. <laughs> Or, or to get on Very and ask cool. some questions. And, uh, you know, and, and when you can't, you know, we got to keep plugging at it, I guess, is what it's all about, people. And I don't care who I got to talk to. Somebody's going to listen to me. Um, and, and maybe the right person will hear me someday. But I threw out the questions, obviously, about the opiate epidemic. I threw out the questions about cannabis. Uh, and surprisingly and very happily, I need to say that this gentleman is, is very – pro-cannabis. He just thinks the plant should be let go and released. Uh, he thinks that people should be able to choose their own treatment plans. He, been, he believes that cannabis would be a big help and factor in helping in the opiate crisis. So it was a great talk with him. Not only that, I've got, uh, he asked me, hey, well, then how come I'm not on your radio show? So I will have him on probably <laughs> next week, <laughs> probably next week or the week after. But listen, good things are happening, and it's not that I haven't believed you, Joe. I've been working harder than hard, man. Uh, We've been yeah, doing I, I've given edu- you a hard time. I know. I, I, uh, I've been no, keeping an eye on, on what's going on. I know you're you're uh, committed and you're dialed in. Yeah, I know. We've been doing those educational dinners. We've been doing once a week. You know, once a week. It's been, and we were going to just do them twice a month, but it's just been so. It's caught on so well, and the wheels rolling so well that. It's been every week, you know, we're having two to, you know, two to four people in our home to sit down and ask questions openly. You know, a lot of people can't ask on, on, public, on, on social media or can't get involved on there because they're afraid of their jobs and things like this. But listen, we still can't make that avail- information not available to them. You know, we're still fighting hard. We've got a, a, also got here for solidarity over separation. We have another a, we have uh, we just put together a, 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 com, a comprehensible uh, format that we want to put on at the senior center center here in our local town once a month, uh, just to educate people on jury nullification, let them know their jurors' rights. Uh, you know, also to, you know to again promote and educate people on cannabis and alternative methods, uh, and let them know there are other choices out there, man. But we've been just going crazy, Joe, and I, I, you know, I just want to apologize because we haven't been as available. But it's not because we haven't been working; we just have been working overtime. <laughs> it, 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 it's all good. I, I, I'll give you a hard time like a brother would. Um, but the, at the end of the day, right. that's what this is all about: is um, this handful of people that are that are working hard needs to get to be a bigger handful of people. And um, you know, we just got th- this week. We got a couple of uh, people that have 
offered to volunteer, and um, now it's a matter of reeling people in and directing them and giving them a way to help out in a meaningful way. Here's the secret, folks. In an all-volunteer organization, you always find a handful of people that are digging in and working tirelessly, and you think about it and you go, oh, well, what wonderful people. They're so um, giving and they're so this and that. You know what the truth is? There's such a reward of giving that we're just a bunch of selfish bastards doing things that make us feel really good. And there's nothing that makes you feel better than making the world a better place and doing something that actually has a real value and that actually changes things. As long as I've got grandkids, um, I'm going to make a world that I want to see. And that's what this is truly all about. So um, the, 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 the advocates and the volunteers out there, as much as I – honor you and I and I and I consider you to be heroes. I know what you're up to. You guys are are um, doing great work and it feels really good to do it. And there's nothing more therapeutic and more helpful and more healing than helping somebody else. So um, if you want to get and in on that action, we can help. That's right. And in saying that, Joe, just 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 think of your statement. You know, there are those that look and say, Oh, look at them. They're out there and they're fighting and they're doing this, that, and the other thing, and da-da-da. But just understand, yes, we're doing it for you, but I'm going to be quite 100% honest. I do this 100% for myself. <laughs> I mean, a 100%, because if I don't fight like this, who's going to fight like this for me? You know, or how could I expect anybody to fight like this for me? I need cannabis to stay alive. It is my choice. It is my health, my, my choice of how I want to treat the conditions I have. It gives me quality of life. It makes me be able to function. Shit, listen to all the things I'm doing. I'm a disabled man who has ten, time, most of the time, it's a hard time putting two thoughts together without the aid of a cannabis oil. But with it and being able to treat and, and medicate properly, we can do anything, man. I said to Helen the other day, I said, listen, Helen, you have to understand, the only person that is standing in the way of us getting anywhere we want to go or making the noise that we want to make is ourselves. If we can get around ourselves, nobody can stop us. Truer words have never been spoken. I, I, I agree with you 100%. If I had only gauged my actions by what people said was possible, I would be a felon today. There would be no human solution. And so many of the things that we've accomplished would have never been accomplished because they were goddamn impossible. And, the, frankly, the only thing that's impossible is what we lay in front of ourselves as something we can't overcome. And it's so true. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that we were destined to work together because we get that. And the truth is, folks, and I can't emphasize this enough, most of the people, and I mean the vast majority of the people that are today currently active with the human solution, meaning volunteering, participating, coordinating, planning, strategizing, getting the vast majority of the people that are participating in this organization today and all the way through the past have been at least moderately disabled, if not severely disabled. And the, the number of capable, able-bodied, well-to-do, expendable income, fully healed, healthy people that have participated historically has been a vast. So let's think about that. It doesn't have anything to do 
with your finances. It doesn't have anything to do with your ability to get up and walk around. It doesn't have anything to do with whether you have or had cancer. It doesn't have anything to do with whether you have or had mental problems or or, or, or psychological problems or PTSD or you name your condition, I guarantee you that somebody that has helped actively and made a difference in this organization has suffered what you are, if not worse. So that's all I can say. We can all do it. And if we all did it a little more, we'd be done by now. So let's get her done. Absolutely. Hey, Joe, thanks again for your platform, man. I, you know, I, it helps Helen and I on our side. We, you know, we always appreciate time on here. We always appreciate what y'all do for us. And you know us. We're going to keep working hard with you until, until we don't have nothing to work for in this end anyway, and we're fighting something else. Absolutely. Well, thanks once again, Pete and Helen Yapel, with our New York chapter. And, uh, you know, the chapter is Solidarity Over Separation. And what an important task that is. Let's join together. United we stand, divided we fall. We're here to stand together and to end this once and for all, to make the freedom that we all deserve a reality. So we're doing it. If you notice, if you've been paying attention, if you're even somewhat awake and paying attention to this show, you'll notice that week after week, day after day, we bring forward people that have, are committing little by little. Let's join together. Let's stand together. Let's use our voices. Let's speak louder. Let's be together united, and we'll get the freedom we deserve. It couldn't be more simple. I want to thank everybody that's participated. We're not done yet. Even though technically we're running overtime, that means you can't call in, and I'm sorry we lost George this week. I, I talked to him earlier today. Um, I was hoping he was going to make it. But we do have Tom Corby to give us our NorCal report. To wrap up the show, Tom Corby, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Joe. And uh, always back there, Mary, Lisa, and uh, George Mark Toronto, uh, all those on the front line, not to forget Coffee Party Radio Show and Bobby Rodrigo. I'm here with my good friend Frank Canan today. He's become one of the tribe here. Joe knows him well, helping me so much. The secretary I've always needed. Uh, when we talk about cases, Frank and Ann will tell you that you take them on to a speedy trial, you file your 995 dismiss probable cause motion, and furthermore, of course, first you always get your discovery, and they must give you that discovery so you know what's against you. So, that all being said, uh, also what you do is subpoena is a big word here. So what you start doing is you're going to throw everything at them. You're going to make them stick at you. You start subpoenaing every arresting officer, uh, anybody that's involved who was a complaint. You always must have a complaint or there's no real case. If you think about it, somebody's not complaining. So who's that? So, uh, also, you also subpoena folks like Master Joe Grumbine and uh, all our doctors, Dr. Allen, Dr. Basley, uh, all Dennis Perone, all the masters come and they're on that, on on the brief. On uh, so when you see that coming, when that when the when the county here in Butte sees that coming, they already know who I am, and they know who they are. 
Joe and Ashley because Joe, when we went to our six after our sixth pretrial, when they all were came to court support, which is important, but because they were on on coming to testify for me, it actually won my case without them even coming. Uh, that just come out there from here. So um, some good news for Stacy Dice and her cannabis. Uh, I can expound here. Uh, I'm not a man of brevity. <laughs> uh, no, you're not. You know, Joe, and I, <laughs> Joe and I first met uh, when the cannabis coming down uh, from Chris Williams uh, uh, in Oregon, and uh, 12 of you stayed overnight here in the cannabis. So when Stacy Dice was here, uh, I said, "Why, why can't we get this cannabis going?" He said, well, and uh, I said, why don't we start a GoFundMe? Well, uh, since then, uh, I guess they already have one going. Uh, there's actually two owners. or uh, it's always, There's a Mary actually in Ohio, uh, Grand Keaton, and uh, she uh, also, uh, the bus is up there, and it's been broke down, and they've repainted it. It's pretty awesome. So uh, they've already raised, they wanted they needed about ten grand. There's a lot of work, and I think we've already raised. I think everybody you can go and donate, and they've already it looks like they've already raised six thousand dollars to get the bus going. Uh, nothing like the cannabis. We need to get it down down here again. Uh, so folks can go uh, to the website, just cannabis, and it'll pop up, and some really cool pictures. Uh, we can also post our pictures with uh, various pictures up there, and we can make a slideshow that we're learning how to do, Frank helping me and Alex with that. And you can also uh, donate 10, 20 bucks, whatever. Some folks are throwing in 100, whatever. Throwing a thousand if you got a million. Anyway, so that's really positive. Now, on the new calendar, uh, Frank's helped me. I'm still having some trouble with it, and it's uh, kind of like the old one better. Uh, so uh, the, when we talk about uh, coming up on March 14th, uh, the bill uh, motion hearing coming up up there in Trinity, and uh, I posted everything. I made a nice synopsis, and I post when I went to post it, Joe, I, I hit it to Facebook, and it disappeared. Nothing happened. I can't find it. And uh, so I'm not sure. Uh, I was going to get with Lisa Woolrich. Uh, thank her, our vice president, our Becca, and uh, see if we can uh, re- recover that and kind of get it posted in there. So uh, for everybody's sake out there on these calendars, we're still working on them, and it's uh, – uh, even the other ones, uh, once you get it down, though, uh, becomes easy. And it's so important if you want to get the word out. If you want to get the word out and go viral, uh, you can go to your homepage event, and you can actually create and host and co-host an event also. Uh, that's really good to know. Uh, I want to remind people, I want to thank Cherry Kutron Lowe. I, I see she's here today listening uh, he helped uh, organize uh, 
25th uh, Dennis Crohn's 215 celebration. Uh, next, I get, I get kind of tears. Uh, uh, next Wednesday, uh, down on 17th Street in uh, San Francisco, uh, way I understand it, they're going to close down all of 17th Street. Uh, it's going to be a huge celebration event for those that can make it. I guess it looks like it was going to be carpooling down with Frank, picking up Dr. Allen, uh, maybe Alex Lyons is going to go down. And also, uh, I understand on the 1st of March, it's going to be Celebration of Life, uh, another event uh, to honor Dennis Crone, Master 215. Actually, uh, I, a lot of people, uh, they want me to talk uh, about our case. <laughs> uh, most folks know in Butte County here, uh, we backed Butte County down uh, thanks to all the support, court support, and all, all the application from folks like Joe and many. Uh, we finally backed uh, D.A. Ramsey down here. I guess he's not running. Uh, again, uh, so, and uh, we finally backed it down. We actually closed down Pioneer Shipping, the Donna Kobe sent uh, measly two and a half ounces to our friend Paulette. And it's historical because we actually embarrassed them when we came in finding Justice uh, uh, settled the case. So, also, in 1976, we had a little town in. Joe knows about in Curry, Nevada. I didn't know back then, though, that Joe did not, not only have court support, I had eight witnesses take the stand for me, 20 years furnishing, for, for finally being talked out of a joint uh, with two narcs and uh, a rat that got out of jail come and set me up. And so we, they called our town down. We had it open two days, and we fought two months in Elko County, Nevada. And uh, we finally went to trial, and uh, we went on about a week. We were in uh, great corn, my attorney back there. I can't, he actually did a lot of the same things we're doing now that we just talked about. Uh, also, uh, the eight ladies took the stand, and... All said they stopped at Curry and tried to get me to furnish. That's what the one joint was, uh, marijuana, which I like cannabis is a better word. Uh, and uh, so once they did that, even at the end, Greg Corn said, it doesn't look too good. It looks like your own. I said, then it's not going to hurt for me to take the stand. When I took that stand, I talked to them for 40 minutes, like I'm talking to you. And we hung the jury in Oakland County, Nevada, which is historical. And so how do we do this? We come from truth and justice always prevails. And that's how we do it. Furthermore, Joe will know also that after 15 years, I went up uh, uh, to the uh, governor. Miller in Nevada, and I got a pardon, governor's pardon. Uh, we recommend that all defendants, once they settle their case, make sure to get your records cleared. Uh, Spongement's really not good enough. You need to get those, those records uh, sealed. And actually, I like this myth. 
Okay, I want to thank all the folks on the front line today coming together, helping solutions, defining and prohibition and free all our POWs. I see that they're in California here, that they're going to be releasing with a couple thousand uh, marijuana cases here. And this is uh, uh, all these are steps to finding the scheduled cannabis and, uh, and the failed war on cannabis. Uh, so thank you, Joe, and John uh, would always say, don't forget to breathe. Well, thank you so much, Tom Corby, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And um, no, neither of us are men of brevity, and that's why we run long if we need to, and that's how it goes. Um, I want to thank everybody that's made this show possible this week, and uh, if you'd notice, there's only been one feed going on. One angle, one direction, and I want to let everybody uh, know Lisa Wildridge, although she's not here today, she's been actively getting this show shared around. And I want you all to know that the show's audience has grown in the past four weeks by 1,000 viewers every week. And so last week was no exception. And that happens because, number one, you come on and make this show interesting because I'm just going to blather on about whatever I see as interesting. But you guys are the ones that come and you bring your stories, you bring your facts, you bring your passion, and you bring the unity that makes this whole thing work. So I want to thank you all for doing that. I want to thank Lisa for um, this whole idea of the live stream. And and remember that the live stream can be watched at any time. If you missed part of it, go back and watch it. Um, Share it. Let other people see it. That's what is making this work. And... Finally, of course, I want to thank Noncompliant Mary and Becca for stepping in and doing uh, the screening as needed. And, of course, all the guests who've come forward and made this show amazing. Thank you all, and we will see you next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. You were always on my mind. You were always on my mind. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.